what do we know for live? Oh, there it is. Oh, look at that. We're live, baby. What is up? Welcome in to uh, what was hoping to be maybe a little bit more upbeat first edition of Post Loons. But in any case, we are here as we promised we would be. And unfortunately, we are breaking down a 4-0 loss in Seattle to the Sounders in the MLS opener. MLS is back, but as Christopher Alphabet says, oof. Oof, indeed. Brutal. That's about the one uh, one reaction I have, too. Grant, initial thoughts on the beatdown out west. Uh, I am never tweeting live in the middle of a game ever again. Uh, that's my first promise. To everyone on this live stream, everyone who will listen tomorrow morning, um, you have my word. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm never tweeting ever again. Uh, brutal. Brutal. We started so good. Like, the first mm -hmm. 20 minutes of that game, you know, we were moving the ball well. We looked super cohesive. And then credit to Brian Schmetzer. You know, like, he's a very good... I think one of the things that he is truly elite at is in-game adjustments. And he made some super good in-game adjustments that kudos to the Sounders. They played super well. I mean, they really did. Yeah, you just saw a complete shift in the second half in the flow of the game, right? First half, everything was going Minnesota's way. The, the high press... I mean, I tweeted it. That press was so high that Willie Nelson would be impressed by that. You know, that's a good I one mean, right there. That's were, a good dad. They were right putting there. on some pressure. I mean, they've been known to put on some pressure, especially early in matches. But that is unlike anything I had seen from a Minnesota United team before, and it was very welcome to see that. And then uh, all of a sudden, second half comes around, and uh, Seattle just finds a way to beat that press to to kind of get in behind. And you saw first goal. Obviously a banger, nothing you can do about that, but the next few were pretty pretty easy right in front of goal there. So just sort of a, a meticulous sort of uh, just kind of dissecting of Minnesota United's de defense. I mean, you saw they were definitely missing Bakayi Debasi in this one. Um, Brett Coleman, as you mentioned in your initial tweet, looked pretty good actually in the early going. Um, almost had a goal. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, at the end of the match, you really saw that uh, that back line which we're not used to seeing this from Minnesota United, but the back line was Leaky. exposed in the Super, second half. Yeah. It was nuts because, you know, I'll, I'll stand by my observation when I originally tweeted, um, you know, said something to the effect of like, am I crazy or is he, he's performing admirably, which I would like to call out to, you know, I, I regret tweeting that, but I chose my words carefully, right? Like he was playing admirably against Rui Diaz, who's an incredible striker, right? And he he had a couple of, you know, uh, moments where he blocked a shot from Rui Diaz or took the ball away from him. And I was like, wow, I'm really impressed. And then you saw, I think, what Coleman's, one of Coleman's biggest weaknesses, which is just an absolute lack of, like, athleticism. He just mm -hmm. is out of shape and tends to be out of position frequently, which are probably the two worst things for a center back. And so I tend to be an optimist and I thought like, wow, he's going to continue this the whole game. And then the goal started coming. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like besides the Jao Paulo one, at least two out of the four were directly Coleman's fault. Yeah. Maybe three. Yes, it was him leaning the wrong way. 
um, whoever he was, you know, guarding at the time, which Rui Diaz most of the time, right. Uh, getting directly in behind. And as I mentioned, just point blank chances. I mean, those are chances you don't miss, right. If you're a guy like Rui Diaz and you can't allow, allow a guy like Rui Diaz to get in that type of goal scoring position. Uh, but it, I, you could call it maybe a lack of fitness this early in the season. You could call it what it is, but it really just seemed like the second half Seattle just put on the pressure and Minnesota United was just not ready for it. Um, so I have a question, Jeremy, if, if yeah. that's okay, if I can jump in. So Absolutely. just bounce it off with me here for a second. They had a strike partnership of, it was Rui Diaz and I think Will Bruin up top, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Why would Coleman be the guy marking Rui Diaz? If you're going to put anybody on Rui Diaz, I I would put, you know, Boxall and then potentially have somebody sitting, you know, watching him as well. Like that's the guy I would watch out for. If they don't have Ladero, why are we not just like completely trying to take Rui Diaz out of the game? You know, I'm going to preface this answer by saying I'm not in any way, shape or form a, uh, uh, a knowledgeable tactical, especially defensively a tactical mastermind when it comes to soccer. But, but maybe it's a situation where Coleman, you know, firmly is in that left center back role. And maybe it was just Seattle doing a good job of making sure Rui Diaz was the guy in that same space, in that same area, thus forcing Coleman to mark him. I'm not saying that was what it was, but I'm I'm saying with Coleman being the backup, maybe the less experienced in those particular situations, it could be just a situation where he wasn't able to sort of uh, you know, flow with with Boxall, switch positions with Boxall to make sure he was guarding the right marking the right man. Again, they don't really run a man marking system, does Minnesota United usually. Um, again, when they have the right people in place, they can easily flow through different defensive type of plans depending on what's being put at them. But Calm is not your starter. You know, he this is a guy who was in the USL championship for much of last season. Um, so maybe he just wasn't ready. You know, maybe he's just not the guy who can sort of switch positions with with Box all of those particular times. Again, very surface level answer to that question. I have no idea. That's purely speculation, but just trying to give you an answer yeah. to your question. I think that that's a that's a very fair assessment. And and that's a really good point, too. You know, you spend time down at USL championship and you are not facing players like Rui Diaz. I mean, he he legitimately is one of the best strikers in major league soccer. So to take that jump, that's a significant jump. That being said, if Debassi's not fit for the next game, I think we have to have some kind of other solution because clearly we can't afford to give up any more losses. I mean, we really can't. We have to start this season, excuse me, strong. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of what ifs, a lot of pondering. We'll do a lot of that here. Again, this is episode one of Post Loons with me, Grant from the Dummy Run Podcast. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Cold, Cold North Rants. Follow me, Jeremy Rushing, on Twitter at Jeremy G Rushing. We are live right now on Twitter and YouTube. And Zach Johnson. At least we're giving some. At least we're giving Minnesota United fans something to be happy and uh, and praiseworthy about. So that's that's good. Um, if you could leave your questions, comments on the four nil loss, you know, obviously they're not a lot are going to be positive. So questions for us, overall comments on the game, make sure you give us a thumbs up. If you're, uh, listen, or if you're watching on YouTube, those thumbs up, it's a big algorithm thing with YouTube. It really does, uh, help us out and help our exposure, um, to leave us a thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, even if you're watching on Twitter, maybe just go over to YouTube for a second, give us a thumbs up. That would be awesome. Subscribe to our channel as well. And again, Leave those comments, leave those questions on the uh, opening night loss 
for Minnesota United. So Grant, before we get into kind of the game notes here, I do want to let you all know that we are presented by our friends at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Uh, they've been huge supporters of 10,000 Pitches, the podcast. Now they are the title sponsor of Post Loons. Uh, they held their first watch party, their Minnesota United watch party tonight over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. If you follow us on Instagram, at 10K Pitches, uh, Ethan Brandt was actually taking some live videos, taking uh, some pictures over there. Looked like, a, looked like a great time. And they're actually doing it again for the next next match which is on saturday the 24th so next saturday loons watch party happening at night street soccer and coffee um you can just kind of walk in drive up if you want um they're not going to turn you away but they do you know with uh with not everybody being va- being vaccinated right now and them wanting to keep keep numbers at least somewhat down um you know, they do ask that you rsvp at ninthstreetmpls.com so if you want to congregate in kind of an open setting an outdoor setting weather pending uh, to watch the game kind of safe and socially distanced, but around other people on a huge projector, uh, definitely check out nightstreetmpls.com and RSVP for the next Loons watch party happening next Saturday. All right, Grant, we've given our kind of initial reaction. So let's kind of go uh, chronologically through the match here. Um, and it starts with the opening kickoff. Now, nobody else, and I might be, I might be uh, exaggerating a little bit or overreacting a little bit, but it looks like looked like Lode almost hit Ray right in the nads with the opening kickoff. Like, it went right out. He was not ready for it and almost caused a turnover. I just thought that no, was not something at all. kind of funny to kick off the season. Yeah, I thought um, it was definitely interesting. I thought, you know, wasn't a great promise, you know, not a very promising start to the game in general. Um, but, you know, they settled into a rhythm pretty quickly. You know, I, I thought they looked pretty good. I thought they had some early um, – you know, looks and they spent some time down at Seattle's offensive third. I don't want to throw our chronological order out of the way. So if you want to rein me in, you know, let me know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, besides besides the almost nut kick, yeah, I, I thought, you know, we looked all right. Yeah, and, you know, it was one of those things where the beginning of the match really kind of reflected what we hoped to see from Minnesota United. I mean, they looked like they wanted it. I mean, it was said on the prod- on the broadcast. Stu Holden brought it up on the broadcast. Like, this looks like a team who's looking to make a statement and looking to make a mark early in the season. Um, obviously, couldn't say much of the same for the second half. Uh, but, really, this game really got started in the 27th minute where uh, Will Trapp was called for a handball just inside the box. Penalty to Seattle. Um, their, uh, thoughts on the handball. Um, you know, I think this is going to be unpopular, but I think that the one against Will Trap was a bit more legitimate than, and not legitimate. I think they're both legitimate calls. I think the one against Will Trap made sense because Will Trap's hand was kind of in an unnatural position. It happened with the Seattle player a little bit further you could see him actively trying to move his hand away. And, yeah. you know, again, I, I don't want to, like, I hate giving credit to their team, right? But, like, yeah. he was he was trying to move his hand out of the way. I'm not super mad about it. Um, the Will Trap one was unfortunate, but that one makes more sense that that would be a penalty. So, you know, it is what it is. Kudos to Dane St. Clair for an incredible save. Yeah. He knew exactly where that was going immediately. Like, we have a really good goalie on our hands. And as long as we don't have a leaky back line, which we'll talk about later, uh, Dane St. Clair is going to have a ball in year. And I was talking with one of the guys uh, who I coach high school sports with, and he was saying Dane St. Clair is going to Europe next year. And that would yeah. not surprise me at all. 
I uh, I had a great conversation in a in an article for Zone Coverage last season. I talked with um, Dane's goalkeepers coach in San Antonio when he was out on loan, and he said he's coached a lot of keepers, a lot of keepers in his day, and he said that that Dane was on that trajectory that he would be in Europe sooner rather than later. And then randomly after like another match where Dane put on an excellent performance last year, he like randomly uh, Twitter messaged me and is like, he'll be in Europe this time next year. Like it's he's on that kind of trajectory. So yeah, we we better appreciate Dane St. Clair while we have him. Again, four nil tonight doesn't necessarily look good for his goals against, but uh you can't really fault uh you know a lot of those goals for him. Maybe maybe one of the four. But um Stefan says Dane got man of the match and the team pulled deserved. Um, I do think it was deserved because who else are you gonna give it to? You know, there really wasn't, you know, Hassani Dotson starting on the left wing didn't really see didn't really see much from him. To be mm-hmm. honest, in that position, he looked like somebody playing a position he had really not, not played before uh, mm-hmm. in, in a match. So um, I, I can't really think of who else. Jan had a couple of good crosses. Ray uh, Reynoso had a, had another had some flashes like he usually does, uh, but didn't really see much consistency throughout the match from anybody. And with the with the saves, I mean, Dane still had five saves, which is crazy. Four goals, yeah. five saves. You know, that's a lot of shots on goal that you're facing. So I don't know who else you would give it to at that point besides Dane St. Clair. Um, you know, in a, in a four-goal game, in a four-goal game, it's hard to like uh you know put the man of the match on defensive players, but I also think it's at least worth noting, you know, Metonier went up and down last year a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, two years ago came back from AFCON. He looked a little shaky, right? But I thought tonight was really promising for Metonier. He looked really sharp, in my opinion. Um, you know, as the game went on, I think everyone kind of deflated. So he kind of lost a little bit of focus, but when we were in the game still and, and everyone was still competing very hard, I thought he played really, really well. So, um, Metonier is a shout out. I would give, I think Dane, obviously I'm not sure if it was the third or fourth goal, but he was definitely responsible for one of those. I mean, the other three, you've got like a extreme Galazzo. Yeah, out of the box from Jao Paulo. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to stop that. It is what it is. No. And then the other two that weren't his fault were just, you know, classic leading the goalie out of, you know, his box, yeah. trying to pull him out of position and then just passing it right to the open guy. And that's not on the goalie. The, the goalie can only be in one place at one time. He can't dive across 20 yards. That doesn't make any sense. So Dane played super well for what he was given. Um, and I think he's going to have a really good year this, this year. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just a matter of how long Minnesota United can keep him, right? That summer transfer window comes around, and you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll which we'll makes see. me think we should hang on to like Tyler Miller for a bit. Like people were saying, yeah. oh, you know, Tyler Miller, we should ship him back to LAFC, and they do need a goalie. Let's be honest, but like, mm-hmm. I think if we're communicating with Tyler Miller, the correct message, we're saying sit tight for a second, rest your uh, what was it? Was it his hip that he had surgery on? Right. Yes. hip surgery i think rest your hip get healthy dane will be out of here in like six to eight months probably you know i mean it, it it's very yeah. likely in my opinion yeah if not the summer window then you almost got to think definitely the winter window next year so uh we i mean that's that's a conversation for another time though let's let's get back to tonight 36 minute uh reynoso doing what reynoso does filthy path to robin lude on the right side of the box lude hits the hits the post that was easily Minnesota's best chance of the first half. Would have loved to see Robin sort of give uh, Reynoso his assist there. I mean, 
It's like Reynoso's playing FIFA Street while everyone else still is still playing FIFA 98. Like that was just that was just filthy. And also gotta give Michael Boxall a shout out. Uh, actually, Joe Lowry from MLS Assist kind of tweeted out the whole gif of the entire sequence. It was really Boxall sort of getting the ball out quickly and starting that uh starting that uh process down the pitch that really led to that sequence, but just whew, that pass. It's not something you see every day, and it's not something that we're used to seeing from guys in a Minnesota United uniform, that's for sure. I thought Boxall had a lot of really good long diagonal passes. I thought he had a few moments where he really did um, release the pressure a lot. I'm also going to shout out that, you know, I'm rocking the, the lewd jersey tonight. Nice. You know, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, so that first shot off the post, right, was his right foot, not his left foot. He's a left-footed striker. So let me take that back. He's not even really a striker. He was in the striker position tonight, but – that's the biggest thing about, I think, our lack of goals tonight is that until Ramon Abila came on, we didn't really have a true striker on. Like, we keep yeah. putting Robin Lude into these positions that aren't really his best position. You know, we put him at left wing in 2019. He didn't do great there. Then we kind of floated him, you know, striker a little bit, number nine in the, uh, you know, MLS is back, or excuse me, the, the MLS Cup tournament. Um, and just, he deserves to be played in his best position with yep. a true striker. And so whenever Abila is healthy and ready to go, I think that's going to be the best lineup. And I know we'll get to him later, so I, I don't want to jump ahead. But yeah, I mean, Lude had a couple of chances, and I think I think he'll find the back then a few times this year. He'll he'll have the moments. Yeah, and I think it was a, a situation where you got Lude playing at a position where where last year. He sort of he he thrived in that position, but then you have to, you have to look at the the people that were around him, right? You had Kevin Molino to his left, Manuel Reynoso to his like it it, it was really a, a solid core in that attacking midfield that allowed Robin Lode to thrive in that if you want to call it a false nine, if you want to call it just a kind of a, a attacking midfield builder playing striker type thing, uh, you know he was he was made to thrive in that. But then tonight when you have him playing the nine and then you have someone like Hassani Dotson to his left, who is not used to playing left wing. Sure. This he, I mean, he's a, he's an absolute Swiss army knife. So he could eventually become a solid left winger for this team. You know, hopefully we bring in, you know, a certain player in a, in a, in a week or so, and that doesn't matter. Right. But uh, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, but if he is called upon to play left wing, you know, the, hopefully he can, he can, grow into that but tonight he did not look like a guy who was comfortable and really able to play that left wing position um you know solidly and so when you also combine that with robin lewood playing that nine where that's not his normal position it's not his comfortable position well then that whole attacking midfield is kind of messed up because you have ethan finley to the right and we were talking in the group chat where it looks like ethan finley's kind of really lost a step so then really you're only really relying on Emmanuel Reynoso, a guy who's pl who's solid playing in his main position when you're talking about your entire front four. And that's just not that's not a formula that I really see translating to a lot of goals. And we saw it tonight, the goose egg. That's not a formula you want to line up against a team that made it to the MLS Cup final and has made it to a ton of MLS Cup finals. Like, you, you, you hit it on the head, is that, it was kind of the perfect storm of just unfortunate positioning places. I personally believe 
Heath probably put out the best lineup he could have with He put out the what, best 11 guys that he could have. Yes, agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. But from there, you've got Lude not playing his correct position, Ethan not playing the best game he ever has, and Hassani Dotson, uh, Jeremy, you brought me on here to have some hot takes, right? Hassani yep. Dotson is an incredible talent. He will be our number eight for the future. I truly believe it. We may even sell him to a European league. I, I don't doubt that. Um, but he's a Jan Gregish in the sense that like he's a box-to-box eight who will sometimes get you a banger, but you can't rely on him for offensive output. Like You can't be leaning on Hassani Dotson to be your creator. So he's not a Kevin Molino replacement. Robin Lude capitalizes when people are focused on Molino and Reynoso. And so you had, you know, just the perfect storm of, of players who weren't in their most comfortable positions. Um, and then, you know, the one player who was in his most comfortable position, Ethan Finley, who I don't like Ethan Finley slander. He's a great dude. He's a great, you know, hard worker, great guy, great yeah. teammate. Good really locker room presence. Absolutely. But he didn't have a good game tonight. And when he's the only guy in his preferred position besides Reynoso in that, you know, attacking front four, that's a pretty rough look, you know, and things got a little bit better. when We had Abela in, but we won't, I don't want to jump ahead. You got to rein me in. Anyways, point being, all right, let's was, go. Let's yeah. go. We're here. We're here to talk. We're here to offer our takes. So just come on, let's just roll just with it. Perfect. Perfect storm. I, I just was so impressed by the second Ramon came on immediately you can tell he has a connection with Reynoso. Like, he didn't get on the score sheet, but you can already tell they know what they want to do together. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind Hassani Dodson is one of the best 11 players on this team. Shoot, he may be be one of the best seven players on this team. I would agree. But that does not mean, like, there's there's recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And also recognizing that you don't need, and I tweeted this exact thing, you don't need a square peg round hole him into a, an open position just because it's open if that's not where he's going to thrive. Yeah. Right? 100%. And that's, and, and I get that maybe injuries, the Nico Hansen injury may have really influenced that decision. That was huge. That was something I personally did not see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, in the injury report. So that kind of threw all like, like my projected starting lineup for a loop. So maybe it is just a situation where they literally had nobody else to throw in at left wing. And so it's like, you know, Hassani Dodson, he's a Swiss army knife. He can do pretty much anything on the pitch. We're just going to throw him in here and see what happens. And if that was the case, and if that is the case, then I get it. But I, I don't think this is a long-term uh, solution. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think Dotson in the starting 11 just in general is a long-term solution. I think he is I think he is best served on this team as that super sub guy where you can read the game and really insert him in a position based on the flow of the game that you feel he can make the biggest impact. That is yeah. a huge advantage to have that kind of guy sitting on your bench. You can choose when, where, and how you insert him into the game based off what you're seeing based off the sample size of current game flow that you are seeing. Now, Mm -hmm. we also have to take into account Adrian Heath's history of substitutions, or lack thereof, right? So everything I'm saying sounds good in a vacuum, but then when you factor in kind of the sample size we're seeing, it sort of does kind of throw that for a loop. But all that to say, um, you know, I really hope that, that we get Nico Hansen healthy and we kind of get those players back in their positions where they thrive. 
because while we did have our best 11 on the field tonight, it wasn't necessarily the right positioning. And that's kind of, we saw, we saw the results of that. Agreed a hundred percent. You know, I think the, the substitutions that Heath made, he made a, a, was it three substitutions? Maybe four. There was Avila, Alonzo and McMaster and somebody else, right? I th- those were the only three I saw. Okay, uh, so I was, three. I was getting ready for the stream for like the last five minutes. So if there was like a, a last minute substitution, I may have missed it. But yeah, I mean, so I thought uh, personally. So for all the the flack that Heath takes for substitutions, I thought the Abila substitution came at the right time. You know, sixty five mm-hmm. minutes. Um, I actually had texted my friend uh, that he was going to come on at the sixtieth minute, so it's close. But close. that was the perfect timing. You know, he's not fully match fit I don't think and also if you're gonna play that aggressive high press you need somebody who can sprint for a long amount of time so he came out at the right time I think that was a good sub I understand you know at the point where Ozzy Alonso came in that he was he being Heath was looking at the score line being 3-0 um and he probably wanted to give Ozzy like the shout out at Seattle but also like I don't know, man. Part of me is like, we're fighting to win this. We're on national television. Granted, how many people are up at 9 p.m. watching MLS soccer? I don't know. Maybe just a few of us crazies. But We'll see what the ratings come out to be. We'll I, don't, I don't expect we'll it to be too too crazy, that's for sure. But uh, I, I do have my questions about, like, why was that the choice? You know, was there any other players we could have put in? I heard that, you know, Agudelo was looking good, you know, could have could McMaster have come on earlier? You know, I just thought there was just other options we could have at least attempted before uh, I think Ozzy coming on is like a, it was one of those moments of like a send off basically. And yeah. to me, when Ozzy came on, it kind of felt like, you know, I'm disappointed with Heath because it felt like it was him saying the game's over. Yeah. Like we're not even going to try anymore. I don't know. I just, I, it, it didn't sit well with me and, and it kind of was frustrating. I don't know how you felt about it, but I mean, it's not a substitution you make if you're trying to claw your way back into, into a three, no game. Right. Um, I agree. That was Heath sort of saying, okay, you know, we're not getting any points out of this. Let's give, let's give Ozzy his, his moment coming onto the pitch. Um, now the argument is whether or not you think that was a good move, whether or not you agree that the game was kind of lost at that point. So you're okay with that. Or you think that they should have been fighting and, 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 doing everything they could to try to claw back from that three nil deficit. I could see both sides of that argument, but yeah, you are correct. And that substitution was really sort of that admission, uh, you know, that, that, that the game was decided at that point. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about uh, a sequence that may have decided this game. Um, and that was in the 49th minute um, first goal for Seattle, Joe Paolo, just an absolute banger. I mean, he props it up with his foot and, and, just sends it. I, I don't even know how to describe what I saw because it's something you so rarely see in MLS. But that goal was just incredible. And then those shots, like you can't be mad. Like there are some, there are some pretty much the other three goals that they scored against us. I'm mad about because they were all really preventable. That was an incredible shot where Dane yeah. St. Clair couldn't see it because our defenders had defended very well. They, they blocked, like it was two other attempts. Originally we were clearing it. We cleared it. You know, we should have cleared it outside instead of to the top of the box, but it rolled to the, you know, kind of top of the box. 
Dane couldn't see it. Incredible shot. I'm not mad about that. It was a great, it was a great hit. I mean, you see that, and then people were already saying uh, the in-game broadcasters were already saying that it would be, you know, in the running for goal of the year, which always feels dramatic because it's a long year ahead of us. But it was a good shot. Okay, we got zone coverage. Loons contributor Jacob Schneider ready to go on the stream. All right, hold on. Watch, watch up. Watch this, Grant. Hold on. Watch what I do here. I'm ready for this. Look weird for a second. Ooh, oh, 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 there he is. That. How are we doing, gentlemen? Hey, Jacob. How you doing, man? I didn't know there was a hat. Uh, like we didn't coordinate the hats, just so anybody knows. You know, this kind of just happened. No, <laughs> it was it was on purpose. Jake was like, "You all have to have a backwards hat." That yeah. Was this is actually well, now uh, Post Moons presented by New Era. Just so you guys know. <laughs> I Let's wish, you know, hey, if we, if you want to get new air, you know, maybe get sponsored by like Bud Light Seltzers or something too, you know, all kinds of options here, Jeremy. We could have some fun with this. Yeah, who can hook us up, guys? Find us that Bud Light Bud Light sponsorship. There we uh, go. J- Jacob, before you jumped on, we were talking about the goal from Joao Paulo to give Seattle that 1-0 lead. I mean, just, just, I mean, just an incredible goal. Um, your thoughts on that and just kind of your overall initial reactions to the match tonight? Well, Joao Paulo was brilliant all match. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a place. There's, a, there's a part of Twitter. There's a part of sports media, soccer media specifically, that looks at Joao Paulo and says, "That's a top five six in MLS." He was brilliant last fall and into the playoffs uh, for the Sounders, and tonight he, he looked the part. Um, mm-hmm. Everything was through him. You know, he came off the pitch. I think it was the seventy fifth ish minute, maybe eighty minute mark um, later in the match, but. Everything was ran through Joao Paulo. He, he he didn't let anybody get past him. He shut down Reynoso in the second half for those you know, um, 25, 30 minutes he was uh, on the pitch with him. The first half was back and forth. I think, you know, speaking with Adrian Heath post game, he said, you know, there are parts of the match where the team looked very good. They were comfortable. They felt in control even. But following the Joao Paulo strike, which uh, Heath said, you know, looked pretty good, but you have to see it a second time. Um, they kind of just lost the initiative to keep pushing. And Will Trapp spoke on that further. He he felt as if uh, the team kind of g- gave up on certain plays, and he specifically used the words give up. Uh, he mentioned the three the three goals, and he mentioned if you're able to pass the ball across the six for just an easy tap-in goal, someone gave up somewhere in the box. The team gave up. There was something that, that could have been prevented but wasn't, and he's really disappointed that that happened. Um, obviously, you know, we, we looking at it from a TV screen is a different perspective than him. We see, um, you know, a possible player that could be at fault. We see an out of position player, so on and so forth. We can make our accusations, but in, in, in the long run, this, this was a defensive flaw, defensively flawed performance in the second half. Um, Chase Gasper and Brent Coleman did not mix well at all. Um, Gasper pushed too far up. Coleman would try to cover for him, and Coleman can barely could could have barely cover his own positioning. He was struggling against the likes of Raul Ruiz Diaz. He got spun around by Will Bruin, and Will Bruin does not spin people easily. Let's be frank; he's uh, he's very much so a poaching number nine who's tall and lanky, and you know not very agile. And he spun Brent Coleman. That's that's a very rare happening. But that wouldn't have happened if Chase Gasper was in position. Yeah. There, there's lots of blame to go around. Um, but let's be honest here. It was defensively flawed. Baki Debasi was heavily missed. You know, yeah. we, we look at that performance from last fall or last winter. It was December 7th. Baki Debasi was immense. He scored a header to to bring, get, give the Loons a goal um, in that playoff game against Seattle. And you look tonight and Brett Coleman nearly scored a goal. 
but then he was not defensively secure for the loons. He he was right. good in that one moment in the first half, and then all of a sudden he just he started getting beat and beat. But that's also part partly due to Chase Gasper's positioning. He was he was very much so pushing too far forward in places where he shouldn't have, or he was caught in a place where he shouldn't have been too far into the midfield. Um, and Gasper's not a fast individual. We know that. he's a solid left back, but he's no Roman Metinair with pace. You know, they're two opposite fullbacks. You know, that's why Metinair's the one hustling up and down the pitch, throwing crosses in the box. He's got that partnership with Ethan Finley that we've seen work, the partnership with Robin Lowe that works. Chase Gasper gets up there occasionally, and he's pretty good at it, let's be honest. But he's not he fast enough to fast catch. enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and the other thing you said is, it, you know, the biggest problem was the fact that I tweeted Brent Coleman is doing well. And immediately <laughs> after that, he just – was like I he must have had like his cell phone in his like spandex shorts or something because he looked at it and was like, All right, time to take the night off, boys. Crack open yeah. a cold one, you know, Bud Light special, let's have a good one. I think you're you're spot on, Jacob. Like Debassi's pace and also just intelligence defensively, like his spacing, his awareness his, his of where to be. He he's always in the right place and he's always making the smart play. He has the athleticism and the brains to just be in the right spot all the time. And, and Colin is not that player. The drop off is dramatic. There, there's also, the, there's also the fact that you have to take into account that Michael Boxwell is not a passing center back. He, he, he's not somebody who, who plays out of the back. That's Baki Debassi's role. If you're playing out of the back, it's through Baki Debassi. You threw two center backs together. Neither of them are passing center backs. And you're trying to play out of the back. So again, you know, maybe, maybe this is an instance where you're forced to play Zuka Raitala, a natural left back at, left center back or chase Gasper at left center back and Zuka Raitala at left back. Um, I don't know, but you're playing with a, a back four with a right back who is phenomenal at passing going up and down the pitch. He's at, he'd be a brilliant wing back in a three, five, two. Then you look at Michael box the most solid defender on the team, probably the most solid player tonight. If I'm being honest, he didn't really step wrong or anything. He was just let down around him. Um, and then I look at, you know, Brent Coleman had a few mistakes, but he had a really good header chance. Um, Christian Roldan did brilliantly to clear that off the line. Like it was stupendous work. He was, he's phenomenal. I, I love Christian Roldan. I think he's an incredibly underrated player in this league yep. and his work rates are so, so, so perfect. Um, but I just, I think, I think something, something went wrong tonight. I don't know if it changed after halftime because of the Joao Paulo goal, but you know, the, the loons conceded for, and you know, in, in in this this day and age, when you're expected to be, you know, a top five Western Conference team, you can't lose four to zero to another top Western Conference team. You can't lose four to zero to any team in general. You know, you had you had to at least get a goal there. You had to get some confidence. I really liked the debate the debuts from uh, uh, Juan Avila and then um, Justin McMaster. They both had a shot on target with their first touch of the game, which is pretty cool. Uh, each of them, their first touch, a shot on target, ended up in Stefan yeah. Frey's arms. But, oh, I thought I thought Abila's first shot was going in. I saw that and was like, "Hell yeah! Like, let's fucking go!" I was. Oh, excuse me, kids at home. That's okay. That's but, okay. Um, so I want I, I want to go back to uh, what Jacob Schneider said because I'm just reading your Twitter handle. Sorry, Jake. Oh, uh, <laughs> so one of the things you said was like, "Boxy does super good on his own. Like he does his job super well, and it makes you acknowledge and realize how much extra stuff." Ike Opara did because Ike Opara cleaned up everybody's messes. Every time he was on the field, if somebody made a mistake, Ike would be there in a second left and right back and forth on the field. 
And Boxall, and this is not a diss at Boxall at all, but he does his job super well and tries to clean up other people's messes, but he's only human and he's not Ikopara. And Ikopara is, is, I don't know, irreplaceable in my opinion. He's the defensive player of the year. He's the defensive player of the year. Exactly. Yeah. But news on Ikopara. I'm going to agree and disagree with that statement. I agree that, that in, in a normal circumstance, when you have all your starting defenders healthy, they all do their job so extremely well. I don't think that one necessarily has to cover for the other, though, when they are all fully healthy. I don't think it's a Well, they shouldn't have part. to. No, they yeah. shouldn't have to. But that reverts back to what you're talking about, what Jake was talking about with Chase Gasper having to cover for, for Brett Coleman. Chase Gasper is not used to having to cover for the guy next no, to him because it's Eichel Parr or it's Bakayi Debasi, guys yep. who do their own jobs extremely well. So extremely Chase Gasper... Well in his great first couple seasons with Minnesota United has really only had to worry about himself. Cause there's not been, I don't want to liability is such a strong word, but tonight Brett Coleman really looked like a liability back there. And so when you're all of a sudden asked to do that much more, if you're chase Gasper and, and he's not used to doing that, it's not going to be an easy transition for him. Doesn't mean he's not a guy who can do that in the future, but hopefully we don't get enough of a sample size of this, where that's going to be an issue moving forward. No, and, and I agree. Hopefully, yeah. I never tweet about Brett Coleman ever again in my entire <laughs> life. I, I'm just, I'm never tweeting about him ever again. Yeah. So, um, Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press asked uh, Adrian Heath on the status of Ike Opara because the team was roster compliant this morning. They released their 2021 roster, and Ike Opara was not bought out. And what Heath said is they're going to return. They're going to talk to him. They're going to see if you know get him healthy, see what they can do. Um, I'm not going to say it was optimism, but I'm going to say it was optimism. Heath didn't say, you know, he's not playing. Heath didn't say he's not healthy. He just said, we got to get him fit. We got to talk to him. So there's reason to believe because his contract was not bought out that Ike Opara may return to the pitch in the coming months. Um, you know, and I, and I look at this and I say the, uh, the FIFA break from like early June to mid to late June. That's the perfect time to get him some uh, to get him some reps uh, in scrimmages and such with the team. Maybe they maybe they get a USL team or something during that time. Maybe they'll even uh, get an international friendly or something. I don't know based on COVID, but um, you know, come come late June, or early July. You know, I wonder if we see I wonder if we see uh, Baki Debasi. You know, or not Baki <laughs> Ikopar, Excuse me. Um, I wonder. I hope we see him by then. Goodness. <laughs> well, you think about it. It's 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 late April now. Uh, it's it's mid April, and let's say he's not match fit at all, and he's just starting his first training on Monday. You know, it's going to take you a month to get fit. You're going to have to get the chemistry back with your teammates, and you don't want to rush anything either because concussions are a very very serious and touchy subject. Uh, I myself know this. I I've had six diagnosed concussions. Uh, my high school sport career ended due to concussions. Uh, I, I, I totally get it. I understand what he's going through. You know, those little glimpses, those little moments where you worry, like, I, I don't remember this, you know, the lights bothering me, you know, I get a random headache, that stuff happens. It's, it, it's, it's real. You know, it's definitely an issue and seeing the MLS is starting to take concussions more seriously too, is a massive plus. Uh, we look at the concussion substitute rule implemented in 2021. I love that. I think it's necessary because a head injury should not warrant, uh, any, any team being, um, like losing a player if they're already used all three subs or something in that situation. But, uh, you know, having Ico Parr back would be a plus. It'd be major. It'd be huge. You know, having Robin Load as a right winger instead of a number nine, that might be a huge, you know, and, and Fraga, Fraga Pane, Fraga Pane, 
the the new guy. It's, it, you got to do the little Italian hands oh, too. Yeah. yeah. Fragapane. Fragapane. Yeah. Well, he is, so, but he is, he is. Uh, he looks legit. From he's from Italian descent, actually. Which yep. I'm half Italian, so you know he's one of my own. But uh, you got to okay. do the hands. You got, a very, you got a very strong Minnesotan accent, though, too, Grant. So well, yeah, I was born in the U.S., but... <laughs> oh, I'm just saying you got yeah. the, you know, the, the Minnesota. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, we oh, all do. I know. Oh, for sure. Um, no, <laughs> but, I think you're spot on. Like, we were just talking before you came on about how Robin Lude has performed admirably at the nine spot, but that's not his real spot. And, like, no. you know, it sucks that we are kind of forced in this position because... Agudelo was kind of in and out a little bit injured and Nico Hansen was injured and we don't have, you know, Abila fully mat Abila. I want him to say it right. Uh, fully match fit. So it's like, we just were forced into this position where really only Ray and Finley were playing in their true positions. And Finley kind of had a rough game, you know? So it just, it's a rough situation where once we start getting pieces in their correct positions, I think, Tonight is not an indicator of how our season's going to go. If I'm going to be a little bit optimistic, oh, of course not. You know, it's it's the first match of the season. Everyone's a little rusty. You know, we look at San Jose. Nobody expected Houston to beat San Jose. Um, oh, I did. Dyna- the Dynamo for sure. The Dynamo finished last in the West last year. You know. Yeah, I know, but uh, yeah, San Jose just bleeds goals. That's their that's their trait. They love that. Uh, I I, I get that, but... that game, and I didn't win. I pushed, but I didn't win. I was mad. Eh. It happens, Jeremy. <laughs> it happens. But regardless, you know, it's the first game of the season. I honestly, I look at this and I say, you know, okay, I, <laughs> we're, this does not mean Minnesota United's a bad team. It does not mean that they are not going to make the playoffs. It does not mean that they're worse than Seattle or anything. It literally means that, you know, they're down a starting center back. Um, they didn't have a natural number nine. They didn't have a natural left wing. Um, it's a new midfield partnership between Will Trapp and Jan Grey Goose. Um, Ethan Finley was had an off night. You know, it's just you know it's the first game of the season. You know, you gotta let it. You just gotta let it roll by. Um, obviously, there's stuff to work on. There's film to watch. There's things to correct. But you know, you return home. You, you make your homestead at Allianz Field next week, and you know you start. You start really saying, okay, we got fans. This is our home. We have to protect it. We can't let anybody come into our fortress and and boss us around. Lumen Field is an incredibly difficult place to, to win in. Let, let's be honest. It is, it, is a, it is a force. And without fans, the Loons did pretty decent last December. Let's be honest. There were fans there tonight. And they were loud. They were rowdy. And you know what? Even though they were socially distanced, you could still hear, hear them on the, uh, on the broadcast. You know, It's not an easy place to win. It's, it's just like going to Portland. You know, There's places around this league that are incredibly difficult to win in. And Seattle, the, Seattle's an MLS Cup you know, regular, Let, let's be honest. This isn't a, it's a bad loss for zero. Let's be honest. It's bad, but it's really not bad in the long run. It's your first game of the season. You return home next weekend, take what you can from tonight and move on. It's in the past. You cannot let this hang over you because you're down three starting players. Your brand new number nine only got 25 ish minutes in tonight. Um, uh, you're, we're good. We're fine. So, uh, Jake, before you hopped on, we were just talking about the subs that Heath had made. And, I, you know, Jeremy and I kind of weighed in already. What did you think about the subs and the timing of the subs and just like the selection of them? 
Oh, it's a minutes of regular from Heath. He doesn't ever make subs till the 65th, 70th minute. And he reiterates in every press conference, you know, it's his stance is that he doesn't understand the Americans' fascination with substitutions. If things are going well on the pitch, then why change it? Um, the thing is tonight, you know, a lot of a lot of things were not going well. But what what are you going to do? You know, you've already got your your best midfield sub on the pitch in Hassani Dotson, okay? Are you gonna take out Jan Grey Goose and Will Trap in the 60th minute and bring on Ozzy Alonso? Probably not. Ozzy, you know, you brought him on in the 80th minute, and that's that's warranted. So let's move up to the attackers. You've got a rookie in Justin McMaster, never had a pro minute. You've got Juancho Cabila, and he never has a pro minute in MLS. He's, you know, raw to the team. There's maybe a little chemistry with Ray, but that's about it. Okay. Also, coming off of a groin surgery, too. Yes, so, coming yeah. off groin surgery. Um, and you know, you don't have any natural wingers. Uh Patrick Way, I didn't make the 18, but you know you can't expect that of an 18. The 20 is actually kind of interesting. There, there was 20, 20. Sorry. Yeah. Weird, make right? Kind of nuts. Yeah, I uh, I kind of forgot about that. So thanks for the correction. Uh, you don't know Patrick Way, who plays at the nine, but he's a homegrown. He's raw. He's, he's got the family name, but you got to give him time. I know that the camp thinks really highly of him, and I know that he will feature for the first team coming soon. He's thought of so highly right now. He's performing great in training and everything. But he's still a kid, you know. Uh, not everybody can come onto the scene and, you know, like Caden Clark and Cade Cowell did in 2020. You know, hopefully Patrick Wea does that sometimes this season. But there's also the rumor we're bringing in uh, Adrian Hunu. You know, um, there's a DP number nine. Then you've also got Juan Chope Abila uh, as a backup nine. You've got Juan Agudelo. You've got Justin McMaster. You've got Ethan Finley. You've got Robin Lude. And you've got Emmanuel Reynoso. There's a lot of first team players ahead of you. So, off the bench tonight, there weren't a lot of options. You know, Heath, Heath played it the way he could. You know, you, you're, you're, you're suffering 2-0. Uh, they scored a screamer. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You follow it up. Brent Coleman gets turned. You know, they, they get a tap in. Okay, 2-0. Let's just let, let's calm down. Let's figure out what we're doing. They didn't calm down. They didn't figure out what they're doing. That's when Heath made the changes. And I think, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not against him for his subs tonight or the timing of them at all. I think, you know, what you had on the pitch was probably your best option at that time because they'd already played 60, 65 minutes, and they'd figure out what Seattle's doing. Those players in the bench probably hadn't figured out. Um, they just couldn't pull it together. Let's get to some questions here. There's a few questions in the chat I want to get to. Kind of reiterating your point, Jacob, Christopher Alphabet says, uh, feels basic, but Heath once again failed to make adjustments. Uh, if you look on the other side, though, I kind of want to talk about, kind of on the other hand, Grant had already mentioned this early in the stream, seems like Brian Schmelzer, made huge adjustments leading into the second half to beat that high press that Minnesota was uh, was bringing in there in the first half, getting behind. Not only – I mean, the, the screamer goal from Joe Paolo sort of opened up everything for Seattle and did allow them to have those easy tap-ins later on, but there were some great adjustments made on Seattle's side. You cannot say the same, obviously, for Adrian Heath and Minnesota United. You know, oh, I think to, uh, to, ahead, to address what Chris said, like, I agree and I disagree, right? Like, I think – Abila came on at the right time. I, th I think that considering his fitness at this point in the year, you don't want to wear him out too early, right? Like he's coming back from a groin, uh, a groin surgery. You know, you don't want to run him to the ground immediately in the first game of the season. So I agree with bringing him on at the, the 64th, 65th minute. Um, I personally would have made earlier offensive substitutions, but I mean, that's the benefit of hindsight, right? Like we're looking back at it going, oh, we should have done this. Looking at it like, oh yeah, we're three down, you know? So 
Mm-hmm. It sucks. It is what it is. But I think Abila came on at the right time. I think I personally wouldn't have put Ozzy on as my my first sub. But I mean, we were down three zero. What are we going to do at that point? You know, it they they had such quick back to back goals successively that like, how do you respond? You know, I think you kind of just look at it and you say, you know, um, this game's. I think they kind of realized the game was gone. But you still have to show up and do your job. You have to finish it out, and you can't concede. A, you can't concede that fourth goal. That fourth goal, although it was a brutal, brilliant strike, it was a brilliant strike from uh, uh, Montero, Freddie Montero, uh, who you know. I, I'm going to be honest. So I, uh, I don't know if Jeremy even knows this, but I grew up a Sounders fan um, okay. as a kid. I grew up a Sounders fan. I've got Sounders memorabilia in my closet. I've got jerseys. I've got hoodies. I've got socks. You know, I, I love the Sounders as a kid, and I loved Freddie Montero. I admired him, Steve Zakawani, uh, Obafemi Martins, um, Marco Papa. I loved the Sounders, and to see him back in a Sounders kit is it's pretty special. And I know it means a lot to the Seattle community, the the Sounders family, um, even that roster. Having you know him back on there is, is pretty cool to see. You know, I, I love that he's back in the league. He means a lot to a lot of people in Seattle and that fan base. Uh, he scored a brilliant goal tonight. You know, I'm kind of happy that uh, you know the game was lost. Like, you know. If someone's going to score a fourth goal, let's have it be him. Uh, but I, I just don't think there were any adjustments you could have made after that first goal immediately that would have changed anything because it, it was pretty evident that it was it was I'm, I'm, after the first goal. It was evident to me personally that Seattle was probably going to run riot at that point. I uh, just it, it felt like it was coming. You know, Ray had that little. Uh, the yellow card incident in the first half, and that was a burst of energy. That was aggressiveness. That was passion. I didn't see the passion, the aggression, or the even the pursuing from Ray in the second half as much. And that's probably because those around him let him down. Uh, those around him but, let him down. And like what you said earlier, Jake, uh, Jao Paulo like, took him out of the game for a large <laughs> portion of the second half. Yes. I mean, I'm not trying to talk down on Ray because I think Ray is genuinely going to be one of the best tens in MLS. I, I think there is a high chance he ends with the most assists in MLS pending some of our transactions that we need to bring in. But um, Ray, brought, Ray brought some fire. He brought a lot of defensive presence, especially with that high press. But then whenever Brian Schmelzer made his adjustments, he disappeared. Like we did not see him really at all in the second half. And that's not a knock on Ray. That's a credit to Brian for adjusting properly. And, you know, a big shout out to uh, Atencio, 19 year old on his debut. Have a debut, kid. Uh, he shut us yeah. out. He was lights out. You know, I I know nothing about this kid. I, I saw him in the starting 11. I was like, what on earth? Where did they, where did he come from? Um, I saw him play, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, they've they've got something special," you know. Seattle, Seattle showed no Jordan Morris, no Ladero, no problem. Like these, this team has some dudes. Go- Goose left. Gustav Svensson's gone too. They yeah. lost Leardum and Svensson in the offseason. They're both gone. Those are two Crazy. starters. So you're down four starters from the team that faced Minnesota United last December, and you run riot four zero. Well done, Brian Schmetz. But they genius. kept their talisman, Will Bruin. I mean, he's <laughs> their talisman. Okay, he's the he's their guy right there. Ah, uh, I mean, I think everybody kind of likes Will Bruin. Oh, okay, yeah, where's my dad joke? Where his dad joke is, Grant? Uh, you can't put me on the spot. 
Uh, Rodrigo, I- I'll work it in in a second. Give me, oh, give me like sure, two yeah. minutes, five minutes. Oh, Jake, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, if there was one person who could have made a difference tonight, I do this on every stream, Grant. I think Jeremy knows what's coming, but there's one person who could have made a difference tonight, uh, but he wasn't even in the game day 20. He's on loan in Uruguay, our good friend, Tomas Chacon. Tomas, we miss you. Uh, hopefully you come back to us someday. Is that a dad joke or just fan service? Oh, just, I just know a, that'll work. Oh, just a joke. Just that'll that'll, me, that'll me play. In the yeah, absence of play. dad jokes, the Chacon... Uh, the Chacon, uh, Rodrigo, thumbs up or thumbs down on Chacon that one? Chacon on a stick. Oh, man. Uh, let's get, uh, there's actually um, a few. Nah, if, we're, if we want a real dad joke, we'll just say the Sounders were brewing tonight, okay? Ooh, there you go. I like Ooh, that. Ooh, there you that go. Okay, good. all right. Yeah. How about Kalman was, how about, <laughs> how about Kalman was appalling? Appalling. Ooh, that was, I tried. That was I tried bad. to get that too hard. But dad jokes are supposed to be bad, so I'll, I'll I'll give that one to you. I will you know, I get I gaspered at the result. Oh, oh there yeah. we go, there we go. Ooh. All right, yeah, guys, I'm, this is I'm bad. Falling behind the, the, <laughs> loss, the loss has me depressed, and so I can't I can't think on my feet when uh you know when I'm I'm not feeling the best. Maybe if it was a four nil win, was, I'd have the dad jokes firing away, but but now nah, I just I just don't got them. I was surprised they scored so many times with the Meta near post, you know. Ooh. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. Not one. quite. It wasn't. It wasn't really. That, that was. Now we're, now we're yeah. reaching. Now we're reaching. Now, yeah. All of my jokes are reaches. Let's be like honest. Brent, like Brent Coleman's legs when he tried to get the ball from Will Bruin. Oh, there you go. There it is. There it is. See, that's all right. Why we're my, done. My bad jokes are good because they set up actual good jokes. You know. <laughs> there you go. That's You're the that setup man. You're the hype man for dad jokes. There we go. Slam dunk. Okay. All right, Jeremy, so let's now, go back to focusing. Yeah, well, focusing. Uh, so it's time to go to our critically acclaimed segments, the debut of Tweets of the Match. I actually took some screenshots of some tweets from uh, Minnesota United Twitter, so we're going to fire them off here. Uh, I swear go. if one of them is my Kalman tweet, I'm, I'm going to water <laughs> off right now. It's not you. Thank God. But it's not the Kalman tweet. Thank God. The first one. Uh, hey! Two, two, I like United, that. The SS Dane St. Clair. Like clogging it. up the channel. Love it. We appreciate Steve. Number two. Oh, Rodrigo, who's in the stream, makes an appearance on Tweets of the Match. The pass by Reynoso was so triple X. Uh, it was. It was definitely not safe for work, that pass. I will agree. Oh, that pass from uh, Christian Roldan in like the first 15 minutes when they were – Seattle did a, like a brilliant clearance out of the back. The, the cross uh, – across the pitch, not even like across in the box. There's a clearance yeah. across the pitch from Christian Roldan. Oh, my God. That yeah. that was that was gorgeous. See, that's the thing. Before we get back into the tweets, like, like yes, we can harp on Minnesota United. You lose 4-0 and, like, it's not great. But Seattle played excellent. Oh, tonight. my God. They they some, it was it was a team effort. It was a team buildup the whole time. Every single time, right? They didn't have a single moment where you were like, "Oh, that was a selfish shot," and it like they were lucky to go in. No. It was just a team buildup. They always would draw the goalie out, pass to the middle, boom, wide open guy. Right? Every single time they had somebody crashing the the far post or running those open spots. It was a really good offensive play or uh, offensive game from. Seattle and you can't be super mad like we should have played better 
and we could have played better if you know I wouldn't have tweeted certain things and you know Brett Coleman yeah, would have imploded. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna take the responsibility. Yeah. Hashtag no, but, uh, blame Grant. Yeah, hashtag blame Grant. But uh you know, Seattle played it really, really well and their their passes were just immaculate. Every single time they had such a good vision for what they wanted to do offensively to get their players into their best possible shots. And it was Jeremy, awesome for their, for their fans. I'm going to start a Twitter hashtag. Um, Brian Schmetzer to Tottenham. Uh, they need a proper coach. Good. Let's get that him out of MLS. Them. Get him away you from know, Does Jose come to Seattle? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that'd be the banter. No, nah, dude, I know you're an Everton fan. You guys should have run riot over Tottenham today. They were awesome. I mean, I, my, I'm so – I've never been so meh on Everton. <laughs> like, usually I'm, like, up in arms because they're terrible or, like, I'm super excited and getting my hopes up because they're really good. But this has been the most underwhelming – like, I almost, like, don't even care about Everton right now because there's not exciting in any way, shape, or form. At least when they were bad – they were like bad <laughs> enough where I could like get like mad about it. But this team's just so like vanilla right now. And it's just like I, I have no feelings at all when I watch uh, unless unless they sign Daryl DK, then they'll be exciting again. If they do end up start, signing Daryl DK. Start the transfer rumors right yeah. now. All right. So uh, Schmetzer Schmetzer to Tottenham, DK to Everton, Mourinho to Sounders. Can you imagine right. can you imagine the backlash though? Like Eight games in, Mourinho starts throwing like new who under the bus, and everyone just loves <laughs> oh, new who. He cannot touch new who. New who is a national treasure. But He's this a national treasure. But 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 okay, as a man you fan, right? Like I remember the Mourinho days where Mourinho would throw every favorite player under the bus every single game. Right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like he'll throw new who under the bus, and Seattle fans will be like, wait a second, it's time to go. Like it's time to get out of here. All right, Jeremy, tweets of the match. Let's go. Yeah, right, we got a few more. Yeah, we got a few more. All right. Grant, here you go. You down with DSC? Yeah, yeah you, you know, know me. me. Mm. We should get that on a T-shirt. I don't think yeah. that's the first time I've tweeted that, by the way. I, I just yeah. recycle my tweets. <laughs> Our good friend. Yourself, basically. Oh, I agree. Good, David I agree Naylor, David. good friend, David Naylor. At Prof Cedar, I hate the stupid green team a lot now. Let's go ahead and make that official. Uh, yeah, you know, after the last couple uh, last couple times out, I could definitely see where uh, Minnesota United fans maybe don't have such of a such a favorable viewpoint on their yeah, rivals I mean, out west. They, yeah. they, cemented, they cemented their insufferability when they had that like tweet where it was like, "We don't put the." clinched asterisk into our name because making the oh, playoffs yeah. is an expectation. That was, that was like, cringe. That was I was like, good lord, like, oh, way to lose in the final, you arrogant cocks. Like, just get out of here, dude. It just was, <laughs> it was bad. And just don't like, tweet that. Like, that's just, and I could tell that to myself. It wasn't too, Minnesota right? nice. No, it wasn't. It wasn't all right. Okay, Jeremy, I've got a stat for you real quick. All right, oh, give, me, give me a stat and then we'll get back to the last tweet. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, in in ever so in every Minnesota versus Seattle uh, appearance since the Lens joined MLS in 2017, in the final 29 minutes of each match, the Lens have been outscored 12 to two. That's that's incredible. That there just makes me sad. Did you that see that? Like... Did you see that stat that we had we had the lead in four out of the seven matches we played against them, mm -hmm. and we gave and we, them up, and we've been outscored 12 to two in the final 29 minutes of matches. Brutal. Incredible. 
All right, the final tweet, Jeremy. Ah. Grant, you're gonna, Grant, you're gonna love this. See, now Doyle. we're all going to call Minnesota United bad again, and then they can say they're underrated, and everybody's counting them out. All part of Heath's master plan. That from Matt Doyle of the Extra Time podcast. It's 3D chess, baby. It's 3D <laughs> chess, right? Yeah. This is all a big plan by Heath to get Hunu in, get Hanson healthy, get Fragapane into the lineup, and then we are just going to destroy. Fragapane. Fragapane. There you go. Fragapane. I like yeah, it. There like it is. You yeah. can't you can't just say I can't just say the name now. Like I have to do the hands. There it is. Yep. Yep. It's all right. Thing. Jeremy. What's next? I know uh, we got what was the last tweet, boys. Oh, it's the last, last tweet. Okay, my apologies. Rodrigo, Rodrigo, this is the last question I'm gonna post on here because you're hogging you're clogging up the chat here. Uh how are we feeling about Dotson on the left? Uh Grant and yeah. I spoke about this at length earlier. Um, you know, obviously it's not ideal. I think he showed that while he is a Swiss army knife, kind of throwing him into that spot was not the best idea. But on the other hand, is they literally, I think had nobody else that they could put there. Right. With, with Hanson. No, House. Just, Justin McMaster. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, not, it's not an indictment on Dotson to say he played poorly. Like, yeah. I'm no, the same thing with Lude, right? Like we don't want Lude on the left. It's not saying Lude's a bad player. Put him on the right. Put him in the position to succeed. Same Here's with my Dotson. question: It's not his spot. Would Sorry, you have rather point. seen? Would you rather have seen Asani Dotson off the bench around the 50th minute mark as a, a midfielder, a midfield reimbursement, and start Justin McMaster on the left wing, or would you have rather just kind of stayed content and had a Dotson from the start? See, I was actually talking to Grant about this. I think that's that kind of super sub, you know, put him in 45, 50th minutes. Um, allow yourself to read the game and read the flow of the game and insert a guy yep. like Dotson into where he is, where he can be most helpful, where he can be most impactful based off what's happening in the game. Uh, that's where I think Sonny Dotson provides his most value. And so, yep. yeah, Jacob, I would agree with you there. I think, uh, you know, I think if it's right wing instead of left wing, maybe you could make a proper argument for Dodson because he is sort of uh, right side, I would say right side dominant, but that really is where you see him oftentimes. But the well, left you, wing was just very, very random. What you could have done too is you could have put Lute at left wing and you could have started Agudelo up top. You know, Agudelo is not a proven goal scorer of late. He's had a really bad, crappy couple seasons in a row, um, a lot in a row. Um, he never turned out to be the prodigy, you know, the U.S. men's national team hoped he'd be when, you know, he debuted at, what, 16 or 17? But, heck, you know, you could bring on Juan Chope at the 50th minute mark for Agudelo. You can bring on Dotson at the 50th minute mark for a midfielder of your choice, you know, and you still got McMa you still got McMaster off the bench. You still got uh, the likes of uh, Azi Alonso. You still got some defensive reinforcements too. I just – I think there were ways – there were ways to plan better for tonight. But obviously, we're not head coaches. None of us have that experience. You know, we didn't watch the film, so I don't also I don't also want to say you know Heath did it wrong. I just think there were other ways to look at it, and that could have been more effective. I think it's, and I I think this is kind of what you're saying, Jake, right? And confirm or, or deny, but like a lot of it also has to do with the benefit of hindsight. Like we're looking back at it, knowing what already happened, and saying, oh, this didn't work out. But if Robin Lude finishes his two really good chances on goal. Cause he had two really good shots. That's, you know, two to four. And then maybe Hassan, Hassani puts in one and Ray puts in one. Now it's four to four. We got a tie game. 
you could say, oh, wow, that's a really good lineup, and our defense let us down. Yep. But that didn't happen. And so looking back at it now, we can go, oh, yeah, we don't like this. This is a bad lineup. But hopefully, you know, in the next week, we got seven days. Hopefully somebody, and fingers crossed is Debassi, gets healthy, right? I don't know what's up with his left thigh necessarily, but that makes a huge difference for us. And we're playing Real Salt Lake, right? Yes, Real Salt Lake next Saturday. Pushing midnight Central Standard Time here. Six of you are still holding strong with us. I really do appreciate it. If you're watching you on chance. YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. It helps us out. If you want to be notified whenever uh, 10K Pitches drops a new video, make sure you tap that bell for notifications. Uh, we appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel if you could as well. Um, final thoughts, guys, as we kind of come off this uh, this opening night and kind of is this one of those games where you just sort of throw away the throw away the tape and just sort of move yeah. on, burn it, send 100%. it to the bottom of the send it to the bottom of the Mississippi, move on? Or uh, how are we feeling? Uh, you know, we said this is not an indictment on this team, and we definitely don't expect this team to continue to play like this this season. But looking ahead to next Saturday, now Real Salt Lake, you know, what is this team? Is it just get healthy at this point, or what else can Adrian Heath and Co do to sort of put themselves in a better position when they return? Also- on I'm going to throw a link up to Jake really quick. Jake, what yeah. does Ted Lasso say? Believe. You got to believe. Oh, I, I thought I thought you were going to say, be a goldfish. Oh, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Uh, hey, Jake, what, what, is, what, is, uh, what does Ted Lasso say? Be a goldfish. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Drop it. Let it go. Forget it. This game sucked. I, there are things that we can <sighs> take away from it, but there's not many. Right? Don't um, start Brent Coleman. Let's move on. Let's get Debassi healthy or start, start Callum Montgomery. I like, I don't care anybody, but oh, Coleman. Callum's uh, an option. At least he's athletic, but that's well, my Cal- thought. Callum appeared it. with the Canada U23s just not a few weeks ago too. And he started a couple matches. Yeah. I would like it. I wouldn't mind it. I think we are at the point where we are a hundred percent confident that Brent Coleman is the uh, absolute. Um, if you're in an airplane, He's not the emergency parachute. He's the like emergency parachute you give to the guy you don't like that much. You know, it's the emergency parachute that's been around since 1995. Like, don't put that on somebody you love, right? So don't start Brent Coleman ever. Please don't ever start Brent Coleman ever again. Let's just, let's try the young guys, if anything, because they cannot possibly be worse than the depths we saw tonight. That's my thoughts. Um, you know, like, like Jeremy said, you know, you can figure it and move on. Uh, but before we close, Jeremy, I do want to point out, uh, I did ask a lot of questions about this in the presser with Heath uh, and Trap. Uh, Trap was the only player made available. Was the black armband initiative that John Strong spoke about Pete pregame on FS1. You both are familiar with what I'm talking about, correct? Yes. Um, to the viewers in the stream, those of you listening, I'll give you a little more information on that. Um, it was designed, it was the players approached the team about it and they approached the community relations advisor. Uh, Corey with Minnesota United, and she helped them kind of orchestrate this with Seattle and with Minnesota. Uh, at this moment, it's not a league-wide initiative. It's between the two teams. It'd be really cool if we saw other teams adapt it. But, you know, Adrian Heath elaborated on the fact that what's happened the past few weeks in Minneapolis is unacceptable, and he thought it'd get better. He thought after last year things would start to turn, and they didn't. And he's been really upset by it. Um, Will Trapp said the same thing, and Trapp elaborated and said, you know, in our 
in our position as players. We use our platforms. We have the chance to speak. We have the chance to say things. We have the chance to, to make change. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest way to do change is while we're playing, he thinks. Uh, and while they were playing, they had those armbands on, you know, you saw strong spoke about them. The, t- the team tweeted multiple times about them. Um, and I think that's my biggest takeaway from today is that it's just a game. There's so much more going on in the real world. And we have a community around us and a team that a lot, that a lot of these people support a team that I cover. Uh, uh, that's my job right now that I want, it's what I want to do in my life. And I have the chance to work with them who are advocating uh, for social justice in times like this. And it's, it's really inspiring. I'm proud to, to be associated with them, you know, and that's my biggest takeaway from today, I think. And to echo so, that really, really cool to see the Sounders like jump in and, and join in really, you know, yeah. enthusiastically the, the broadcast, I, I'm assuming Jake, you heard that too, but if you were watching the broadcast, they mentioned just how uh, excited the Sounders were to, to join in with us on this <laughs> statement. And, and just really cool because you're hundred percent correct. This is a soccer game. It's just a game. It's entertainment. And there's so much bigger things in the world. So it's, it's cool to see that, you know, they continue to make statements about the fact that, you know, this, this kind of treatment is, is just unacceptable. You have a platform, use it. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially now when, when you need, when you need that platform utilized, you know, more than ever. Um, it's good to see that not only Minnesota United coming up with this and, and putting this at the forefront, but like you said, Grant Seattle sort of uh, not, not wasting a single second and jumping on board and wanting to jump on board right away and sort of uh, do that alongside Minnesota. So, you know, bigger things in sports happening. We just spent an hour plus talking about a soccer game, but obviously bigger things happen happening, bigger changes that need to be made in our society. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can continue to take small steps towards those changes happening. Jacob Schneider. uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I'd expect something to be done next weekend too at the home game. Um, Just keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, On top of that, Jeremy, um, this coming week, the hope is that I will have an exclusive with Patrick Weah um, sometime this upcoming week. You guys can check that out at Zone Coverage. Um, I do also work for MLSsoccer.com, but at this moment in time, we're still unaware of our status due to some unforeseen circumstances with the league right now, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, freelancing, so on and so forth. Uh, but catch my work right now, ZoneCoverage.com, uh, with Jeremy, who is also dabbling with yep. ZoneCoverage.com. Um, you know, and 10K Pitches is a great podcast too. So make sure you guys listen to that. Yeah, I hear, I hear it's, it's pretty good. I hear the people like it. So um, speaking of great podcast, Grant, I assume you and Alex are going to be doing a, uh, an episode of the Dummy Run this week where you uh, kind of break down the action that we saw tonight. Uh, I would, except I'm probably going to hide in a deep, deep hole after that Brent Coleman tweet. I, I still have not recovered from that. It's going to take me a while. So Alex might be doing a solo dummy run podcast. Look out for that. Uh, I think I've forgone, uh, just any soccer commentary I have for like, I don't know, it's gotta be at least like 72 hours. So we'll yeah. see. Alex isn't even returning my texts at this point. Uh, he's oh. just so ashamed of me. So. He's ghosting you. He's ghosting, yeah, he's, you. He's ghosting me hard. Yeah. Oh, and I don't blame no. him. I don't blame him. We'll see what happens. Right. I'd block myself if I could. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, super cool, uh, to the listeners out there, 10 K pitches and, um, you know, zone coverage, fantastic listens. So I guess zone coverage is more of a read nowadays, which as a former lit major, I can respect that. So, um, on, you know, one last thing, Jeremy, I just want to say, you know, go Chelsea, you know, up the blues, man city's going down in the morning, baby. 
You know, oh, wait, well, yeah, Man City go down. That's good. We like oh, that. FA, yeah, FA Cup semifinal, that. baby. 11.30 ESPN Plus. Let's go. Let's go, Chelsea. Right, Come on. Get some sleep so that way you can be well-rested for that one, all right? Oh, I won't. I still, it's 12.02, and I got to write a column still, Jeremy. Eh, oh, we're good. Have fun with that. I'm probably going to watch uh, an episode of Game of Thrones. Tuesday, so I have a little. I have a ways away before I have to do that. I do have to edit this and get this up on the podcast feed, though, so that's what I'll be doing for the next probably. Sounds good. Now. All right, all right gentlemen. This was fun. Grant, yep. Grant from the Dummy Run Podcast, Jacob Schneider, zonecoverage.com. Thank you all for watching, listening, tuning in. Hopefully, when we come at you next Saturday, we are going to have a much much better Minnesota United uh, performance to talk about. But until then, I'm Jeremy Rushing. Thanks again to Grant and Jacob, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.